and welcome back. We have another special podcast for number 21 in honor of World Migratory Bird Day. As social and economic development continues to grow across Africa, tensions have risen between utility companies and species conservation groups. In a considered effort to resolve these conflicts, Power Africa is now working in collaboration with BirdLife in order to inform its policies in alignment with the needs of migratory birds and other affected species. To cover a breadth of issues from a variety of perspectives and get into the practical solutions which can have a positive outcome for both human development and conservation. I learned a lot from this discussion and I hope you will too. If you like this episode or would like to follow more on this project, please follow the links in the description. And if you'd like to support us, you can make a donation at restoreourplant.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome back to our Restoral Planet podcast. I'm joined today by BirdLife and Power Africa, who are going to tell us a little bit about their collaboration going forward, dealing with some socio-economic development issues and monetary birds. So to start with you, um, Alex, tell us a little bit about the Background Flyways program over at BirdLife. Yeah, thank you very much, Jack, for having me on the podcast. Um, I'll actually start by introducing Bird Life, which is my organization. And I'll then I'll talk about the Flyways program. So uh, about Bird Life, Bird Life International is, a, is the world's largest nature conservation partnership with uh, 117 partners. Our purpose is to conserve global biodiversity, habitats, and birds, working with people and business in the sustainable use of nature's resources. Um, we inform um, and advance evidence-based, you know, business policy and practice, and we offer a wealth of proprietary data and tools. Uh, and we are actually present in a total of 115 countries. That is where we are having conservation action taking place. Now, going forward, um, in terms of the programs that uh, Bird Life is using to conserve nature, uh, we have quite a number. And one of the key um, uh, programs, uh, which is at the center of uh, Bird Life's work is actually Flyways and Migratory Birds program. And this is a program that uh, looks at the issues that affects migratory birds. Migratory birds are unique because um, they are wide ranging. If you conserve um, habitats and sites uh, in one country, you need to go out and check where those migratory birds are going so that you also initiate interventions in those sites. So really, a flyways program is, is is a very unique program. And what we are looking at is um, out of about 10,000 10, species of, of birds, about 17% of those species of birds are classified as a full, fully migratory. And uh, broadly, you can actually classify um, the migratory species into three major groups. You have land birds, you have soaring birds, and you have water birds. So bird life and the, and the partnership attempts to look at those species, their sites, and their corridors, their migratory corridors. Thank you. So thank you. Okay, over to you, Paul. Tell us a little bit about Power Africa. Good, thank you. Uh, my name is Paul Maina. Uh, 
I want to do a brief background about Power Africa. Power Africa is a US government-led partnership that harnesses uh, the collective resources of over 170 public and private sector partners to double access to electricity in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, since 2013, uh, Power Africa supported projects have add, added nearly 12,500 megawatts of cleaner and more uh, reliable electricity and more than 27 million new power connections for home and businesses. To add on that, uh, Power Africa goal is to add at least 30,000 megawatts and 60 million connections by the year uh, 2030. Uh, implementation of Power Africa projects is done by different programs. Uh, we have East Africa Energy Program. Also, we have uh, Southern Africa Energy Program, West Africa Energy Program, and also uh, Nigerian Energy Program. Uh, just to mention, uh, each program has its own uh, objectives. Thank you. Thank you. And just quickly, Paul, is this all across uh, Africa? Yes, it's all across Africa. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you. All right. So back to you, Alex. Tell us a little bit about some of the threats facing uh, migratory birds. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jack, again. Um, migratory birds, uh, just like uh, other uh, wildlife, are ex experiencing uh, different sorts of uh, uh, threats. And um, I would like to list some, some, some here, and uh, which also relates to, 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 you know, energy sector development. So one of the threats that are, I mean, uh, that, that uh, migratory birds are facing is land use pressures. I mean, we have uh, land as a finite resource and we have a lot of competition uh, to use the available land resource uh, for activities like agriculture. Uh, we have uh, we have to grow forest on the same land. Uh, we have to settle on the same land. We have to develop infrastructure on the same land. So, I mean, as human demands rise, as the population of the world rise, so we are experiencing this pressure, and therefore. The, the migratory birds, just like other wildlife, are caught in between. So the other one is a loss and degradation of special sites. Um, as you know, uh, some, some migratory birds are quite specific. Um, you find uh, water birds, for example, using same points uh, when they are crossing continents to move from one place to another. Uh, so. For example, when you talk about agriculture or extraction of uh, resources from 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 uh, wetland habitats, then you have some sort of negative impacts on those sites, and that affects uh, migratory birds. For example, the other point is, um, you know, where birds are viewed as biological resources. So we are talking about people hunting. Uh, Birds, and uh, when it comes, when it becomes a conservation concern, is especially when big volumes of birds are being extracted from the world, and uh, when people are extracting, you know, um, globally threatened species, for example. So, 
that is a big problem as you will see later human disturbance is is, is another problem um and um it also emanates from of activities like hunting um of of birds and human disturbance is actually a very serious threat especially to shorebirds and even water birds diseases and parasites is a is another threat i think we've all heard about the bird flu um and uh, which which happens to kill uh, thousands of birds at at one go um we have uh, uh para, i mean uh, disease um, pathogens like uh, bacillus uh, you know which causes problems to birds uh, of course um I'll be unfair not to talk about climate change. Climate change is a global crisis. It is not only affecting, you know, humans, but also birds. I mean, when you have land pressures, when you have loss of, uh, uh, you know, or, uh, habitats for use by by the birds, when there is hunting pressure, then you you bring in the component of climate change, then things. Will be worse for 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 migratory birds. Uh, so, I want to list those as as key issues that are affecting migratory birds. So, um, my my first point, which is about uh, land use pressures, and which uh, also links very closely to the energy sector, um, is 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 you know development of infrastructure, you know power generation power transmission involves you know development of you know infrastructure and um, you are looking at a situation where uh, for example you are building a power line across or near a very important site for migratory birds so that creates um, uh, uh, some problems to, to migratory birds uh, especially if not done without any consideration to uh, birds' activities around. Thank you. Thank you, Alice. Just one follow-up question there. So more specifically speaking, when these power lines, et cetera, are going up, how does it directly affect the birds? Does it kill them? Does it just get in the way? Does it confuse them? What happens yeah. with their uh, pathways? Yeah. Um, uh, we, we, I, I want to step a little bit back and say that... Um, depending on energy infrastructure um, if, uh, the infrastructure affects uh, various types of birds for example uh, when you talk about big bodied birds we are talking about a uh, 1.9 meter you know size of a vulture so this is a big bodied bird and when it is moving you know looking for food um usually the concentration is where to get food and a lot of times when the infrastructure for example is not visible enough it is impossible for the vulture to actually avoid it so if there is a power line which is you know not visible to, to the vulture they will straight away come and collide with, with these birds and um um, and and for for wind farms, for example, when the turbines are spinning with high speed, you 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 get a, a situation where it the, the the turbine is not visible; it becomes blurred. So, 
the a bird which is chasing food or which is competing for food with other birds will not you know see these things it's not keen to look at uh, any obstacles it will fly into the turbine it is chopped it is flies into the power line it is hit and it is injured it is it is it, it dies so those are that is one of the problems collision the other problem is actually electrocution so we have two kinds of power lines we have bad friendly power line and we have bad and friendly power line this this these designs are there so what happens with the bad i mean a power line that has not been side uh, properly without you know consideration for birds it is designed such that when a bird patches on the power line when it is spreading or it is it is patching on the power line itself it is actually electrocuted so and what happens with electrocution is is very easy one you you get um, an injured bird and most often the bird dies after electrocution but more importantly when uh, electrocution occurs it means that there is power interruption in that in that uh, in whichever place the power power is supplied so birds affected by mainly in those two forms of course the other one is um, you have a big dam um, it it affects uh, you know like uh, important feeding grounds for for migratory birds uh, they would the the nice habitats are submerged and they are no more so depending on which infrastructure they affect the birds differently thank you thank you alex some interesting insights and that leads me on nicely to our next question so taryn i'd like to bring you in on your perspective what are some of the environmental challenges facing development of uh, power infrastructure across the continent It's Aaron. I'm afraid we can't hear you. Sorry, just for everyone listening, we are sort of scattered about the, the world. I'm in Europe, of course, and my guests are in, in Africa. Sorry, Taryn, we still can't hear you, I'm afraid. Okay, um, I think this builds on very much what uh, Alex was saying earlier. It's just a continuation, basically. And some of the major challenges that we are finding in terms of the interaction between uh, energy and wildlife or energy and birds with regards to migration is obviously collisions with the lions. And uh, I would like to use a specific example, such as flamingos, we have a problem because flamingos fly at night and they migrate from one area of Southern Africa to the other area in another area of Southern Africa. And actually sometimes flamingos fly from South Africa all the way to Madagascar. And they do this during night and the lines are not visible at night. So they pose quite a threat to, to themselves by flying at night. And so one of the mitigation actions that we're able to do is put lights or LEDs and a solar panel on top of a, a bird diverter and retrofit them onto lines. Ideally, that would be better if we 
put them on before we actually erected lines or erected lines outside of paths of where such as the flamingo would fly. So that would be some kinds of examples. Other issues we have is with roosting birds. When they migrate, um, they'll find a place to, to land and to spend the night, but not just in their normal behavior and habitat, we also have those problems. So that leads you very much towards the tower design. So the tower designs are not very bird friendly that we have in Africa at the moment. Um, we have Eskim in South Africa that has gone through a process where they have started changing their towers and their infrastructure to be more bird friendly. But um, largely in Southern Africa and Africa, we're dealing with infrastructure that is not very bird friendly. You know, the other thing that cottons on to what Alex was saying in terms of habitat, for example, wetlands, you know, a bird flying into wants to come and drink water in a wetland or flies low over wetlands. And if you stand at the top or look from a bird's eye view down at power lines over a wetland, they actually disappear into the landscape. They really aren't seen. So we really need to put something, if we are putting lines over wetlands and watercourses, which is not ideal, but because we want to electrify the whole of Africa, because we have such a power shortage, you know, we, we've got to think about these things before we have to retrofit later on in terms of putting mechanisms in. So, so that's another place where we're seeing a massive environmental challenge with regards to energy and birds. And then the placements of lines, you know, we do environmental impact assessments or environmental and social impact assessments. Um, through before we develop. But the problem is most of these EIAs or ESIAs have been um, done with little insight into avifauna because we've got poor avifauna data across Africa. So from a desktop level, it's very difficult for um, a specialist to go and find out exactly where the bird paths are. The data is still being developed. And then you know, we have people that don't see avifauna or birds as important when, they, when they're doing an ESIA or ESCP on, on um, as important when you're talking about energy, which is some of the fatal flaws that we're seeing as energy gets developed in, in the sector. And then, then the last one I would say is, yes, renewable energy in terms of uh, wind turbines are significantly damaging to birds. However, for me, what the greatest impact is, is we're building these wind farms all next to each other and we're causing these massive clusters of wind farms. And your local birds will learn to fly around the area where the turbines are, which puts pressure on the peripheries and creates an ecological vacuum that can cause species to go extinct. However, the other issue with migratory birds is they don't know that those renewable energy farms are there and they fly directly into it and you can kill a stack of birds in doing that. So all of these are major environmental factors that we're dealing with when we, we're deciding to power up Africa and what we've experienced in Southern Africa and probably West, East and the area that we've worked in. So, so those are where the key environmental challenges, I would say, would be. Thank you. Thank you. Alex, back to you. Um, 
So obviously there's, we're talking about two almost conflicting things here. We're talking about sort of obviously power Africa and, and socio-economic development, lifting people out of poverty and these things. Does it necessarily have to come at the cost of these species? And are there reasons why, in fact, uh, it's actually beneficial to keep these, these migratory birds alive? And how does that tie into bird life's work and initiatives? Yeah, thank you, Jack. I mean, uh, uh, obviously, um, people, uh, uh, people in Africa needs uh, uh, needs power. They need electricity uh, to grow new opportunities, socioeconomic opportunities, and um, there is no way we will say power is not important. Um, at the same time, there is no way we will say. We, we, we develop the power sector or the energy sector uh, without considering the negative, the possible negative impacts that uh, there could be. So uh, what BirdLife has been doing is um, really to have an integrated approach. Yes, we need power, uh, but at the same time, we need uh, you know, a, a power sector that realizes that we have nature that we need to conserve, that nature that we need to, to, to manage. So uh, going forward and uh, uh, bad lives realizing this, um, this unique situation, uh, as, as part of the Flyways program, we have prioritized energy sector as a key thematic area for intervention. And um, what BirdLife has been doing is uh, really developing some innovative tools. For example, the sensitivity mapping tool um, is a tool which enables the developers, the policymakers, the planners to very much in advance to identify areas that are potentially uh, could, uh, could, um, could bring conflict when energy infrastructure is, is developed. So at a very early stage, um, people, the, the developers, the planners are able to know if I did a wind farm in a certain area, I'm likely to you know, face less conflicts than if I put it in a, in a different area. And, and this comes, uh, and this helps also with, with, with cost. So if you are, if you're, if you're establishing your wind farm in a potentially high conflict area, your mitigation measures, your biodiversity safeguards in that project is likely to be high compared to a, a site where there is low likelihood of having conflicts with, with birds. Uh, the other, the other uh, point is that um, as, as Tarin said, um, the existing infrastructure, especially power lines uh, in Africa, is actually designed in an unfriendly way. So what do we do? Because it, 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 it has killed, it, it kills bad as long as, as they existed, you know? And some power lines are really old, constructed in, in 1950s, and they are done without considering birds. So they continue killing birds up to date. So what bird life has been doing is um, uh, we've been working with, uh, with, with especially the utilities, uh, posing the question, where do we have 
um, you know, the hotspots where we have a, a lot of conflicts, a lot of collisions, a lot of electrocutions of birds in your grid system. So with that information, we're able to map the hotspot areas and therefore prioritize those ones for intervention. So, and there are many ways to, to intervene. As Karen said, there is a retrofitting. You can either uh, put, you know, gadgets on power lines to make them more visible, whether it is during the day or during the night, such that when birds see them, they see an obstacle, not necessarily the power line, but the obstacle, and they are able to, you know, digress. They're able to avoid that kind of uh, that kind of an obstacle, which is deadly. In terms of wind turbines, um, uh, BirdLife uh, up to now has, has partnered with um, some developers, especially in the Northeast Africa, uh, to develop uh, what we call a, you know, shutdown or demand. And uh, this protocol is where there is a coordination within the wind farm management uh, to shut down the entire wind farm or specific wind turbines such that uh, collisions with migrating birds are avoided. And uh, from our assessments, from our analysis, the shutdown on demand really does not um, cost much in terms of power losses. So, so you switch off the wind turbine, you let the migratory birds go, and after that, you switch on. So there are tools, there are processes um, that can be used to make the energy sector more sustainable. And more to that, um, Tarin um, alluded to the fact that um, uh, some of the experts, some of the uh, you know, EIA experts that we have in the continent do not have the capacity, do not have the you know, required capacity to really uh, through, think through the EIAs when they are developing the reports. So what BirdLife has done um, is to develop you know, um, what we call guidelines or standards. For example, if you did, if you wanted to do an EIA for a certain project, then these are some of the considerations that you have to, to look into. And with these tools, with these standards, then we hope the quality of EIA reports is better. And when the, the EIA report is implemented, we expect, you know, low and fewer conflicts between energy infrastructure and birds. Sorry, Alex, one question that you mentioned. Sorry, what was the EIA reports? What, what is that exactly? Well, uh, EIA reports are environmental impact assessment reports. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, so these reports, um, I mean, helps the developer, helps the policymakers, the decision makers, uh, to see, okay, here we have a project, but we have problems. This project is likely to have an impact on birds and other wildlife. But what are the mitigation measures? that can be built in, in the project such that, you know, we have lesser, fewer, or no conflicts with, the, with, with biodiversity, with birds, for example. So that's the essence of the EIA. And in most cases, um, a lot of energy pro projects will require the project proponent to undertake the EIA. So that is where BirdLife comes in. You have an EIA to do, uh, 
the bars are at stake. So these are the items in the EIA you ought to consider to have, you know, good quality EIA and EIA that considers birds is, is one of the factors that are likely to be affected by the project and the possible mitigation measures that you can build in your project. Thank you. Okay, so Paul, now over to you. How is Power Africa addressing uh, some of these conservation, these, these challenges, this conflict between man and bird? Sorry, Jack, I think that was meant for me. Oh, apologies. Sorry, Taryn. Over to you no in that problem. case. Apologies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no problem. So, so we looked at all these challenges that, that we have and uh, we understand that the biggest problem is retrofitting. So to go back after a, a line has been developed and the towers have been put in place and now all of a sudden you've got massive outages and problems. So it's really hitting the utilities in the pocket. So the best place to start is to really go to the utilities and Endangered Wildlife Trust assisted us um, on a number of projects in Southern Africa and East Africa and they calculated that approximately a utility in these regions is losing about $100 million a year through revenue loss, damage to infrastructure and repairs of infrastructure. So, so, so it really is quite significant how these utilities are being affected. And that's not to say where you've got NGOs, you've got people actually um, negatively providing negative publicity about the utility because of them killing birds or any wildlife. So we really looked at it from that perspective and we decided that it would be a good initiative to go and help the utilities to overcome these burdens. And the pro approach we took in Southern Africa and East Africa was basically to promote an awareness of wildlife and energy interactions. And through doing this, try and promote a wildlife incident management system into utilities in different shapes and forms and uh, develop tools so, so the utilities could use these tools so that they could better manage it. So in an ideal world, before you develop, you will make sure that you do an AV for the impact assessment and make sure that where you put these lines and these towers are the best kinds of lines, the best kinds of towers, have the best mechanisms on them to avoid any kind of conflict with wildlife or with birds. So I say wildlife or birds, but actually birds are included in wildlife. And when we refer to wildlife here, we're really referring mostly to birds. So your biggest impact in wildlife is birds. However, we do have impact with other things, such as in the Kruger Park of South Africa, there were incidences where giraffes got caught in the lines because the lines were too short. So, so we can't negate the fact that other wildlife also gets affected. So, so we put it under this banner of, of wildlife and energy. As I said, you know, largely it does, it, it does relate to birds. One of the things that we did in East Africa, we developed a mainstreaming and wildlife incident management into utilities in East Africa, and that was launched a few months ago. It's a handbook that we launched that utilities can actually use and say, oh, 
this kind of tower would be better to be used and hand it to the owner, uh, to the engineer and say, these are the kinds of towers we would like to use and this is what is recommended. For example, those are the kinds of things that are in there. Or, you know, you're getting pollution on transformers. Pollution is where your birds are defecating. It actually causes the transformers to erode or corrode. And, um, you know, what, what infrastructure do you need to put up? Do you need to put a shield over your, your insulator so that it can be, be protected? So all of these mechanisms are in these manuals. And we're actually going to be launching one for Southern Africa very soon, within the next few weeks. We're going to launch one of these manuals so that the utilities in Southern Africa can also have a manual. But on top of that, we've done a lot of training um, in East Africa with uh, Ken Power and Tetraco and KPLT. Um, we did quite a bit of field investigation there and training and awareness and identified some of the problems these utilities are having as a result of wildlife and energy inter interaction. There was also some training done in Ethiopia, but unfortunately nothing moved further than that because of COVID. In Southern Africa, we, we really embedded ourselves in EDM, which is the Energy Utility in Mozambique. And what we did is we went out there and we did a readiness assessment and we checked to see, you know, what is needed in Mozambique, where the most conflicts happening. And we had crazy things like monkeys getting electrocuted and pythons getting electrocuted and large numbers of birds. And we had thousands of crows settling in a substation that um, were roosting there and damaging all the infrastructure. So we, EWT found a way, if you used a flashing light, that it would discourage the crows from, from roosting inside the substation. So, so there were lots of things like that. And then what we did is we trained the whole utility. We developed a handbook for EDM specifically to implement an in, uh, uh, incident management system. And then we supported them and provided them an electronic database system and helped show them how to manage it so that they can use this information to know where best to put their lines, what needs to be retrofitted, where it needs to be retrofitted. And then one last initiative that we did is we worked with Eskom in South Africa where we evaluated all their protected areas. And um, we basically looked at all the protected areas and we brought it down to 10 protected areas in each province and looked at those areas where they had the highest density of energy infrastructure. And then we evaluated it to see how friendly is this infrastructure and what needs to be done in the future. And uh, Eskom really appreciated the support. And any partners that we've actually had within the sector any of the utilities have really, really embraced changing their ways because they see how much money it's costing them. And if we are moving to this revolutionizing Africa with energy and industrializing it, you know, we can't think of industrializing without knowing that if we don't do something, we are going to lose species. So we've got to bring the two together. We've got to satisfy the economics while we're trying to save the birds. So, so yes, that, that would really be, you know, all the initiatives that we've been working on. And this is the cusp of it. As I said, there's 
there's only a few utilities. We've got many, many utilities in Africa. And really, for Africa to be one, one in this energy pool that we are trying to do, we're actually trying to, to energize the whole of Africa through the different power pools. If we want to do that, all the energy utilities will have to come on board and adopt these measures so that we can conserve wildlife and save utilities money at the end of the day. Over to you, Jack. Thank you. No, thank you, Taryn. Okay, I think that leads me nicely on to our next question. And I'd like to hear from all of you on this one. So, BirdLife and Power Africa are now collaborating as partners. So what does this mean going forward? Starting with you, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is great. Uh, this partnership and collaboration uh, will help mainly in streamlining birds migration challenges, as uh, we have already discussed. And um, this will also help uh, Power Africa and, and uh, bird life to come up jointly with mitigation considerations, especially when it comes to issues of planning, construction of power infrastructure and the like. Uh, besides that, uh, this partnership will enhance issues on resource, resource mobilization. And I think we have seen that one of the challenges is lack of adequate resources in terms of assisting in capacity building. And if this is done jointly, it can help to address the current challenges uh, uh, in the power sector. Thank you. Over to you, Alex. Thank you, Jack. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, BirdLife glad, gladly welcomes the new partnership with Power Africa. Uh, we believe that uh, Power Africa is a unique and a very important stakeholder in the energy sector development in Africa. Uh, they have an ambitious and noble plans of connecting millions to electricity in the continent. Um, and uh, as, as, as you have heard, Jack, is that uh, Power Africa is actually is conscious that uh, energy sector needs to be sustainable. Uh, on the other hand, bad life aspires to see a sector that is truly sustainable and using some of the most innovative approaches to achieve that. And um, uh, as you've heard, uh, Power Africa is, is already doing a lot of positive things. Um, the, the, the landscape is, is huge uh, because you, have, you are talking about, um, if, if, about you know, 54 uh, utilities in Africa. So um, it is, is a huge challenge, uh, uh, you know, building the capacity, making everybody aware about the importance of having, you know, bad safe power lines, for example. So this collaboration uh, is, is really uh, very important. And in the final analysis, um, we hope that this collaboration will, the most, most importantly, help to prevent injuries and wildlife mortality, mortality as you had, reduce, uh, reduce power and physical and business losses within utilities, very important, build credibility to electric power utilities and developers. Uh, we hope that the partnership is going to build trust and public confidence in power projects. We also hope that um, a, a power will be produced and transmitted and distributed sustainably. And also 
we hope the partnership will help to reduce potential conflicts within communities and other stakeholders. And very important is that we hope this partnership will help in achieving some of the power-related, uh, you know, sustainable development goals. And, and therefore, uh, if you look at uh, all those potential benefits, it will be actually a win-win for energy sector and nature conservation sector. And uh, we value this partnership. It has just started, but I'm hoping that um, we, will do, we are going to do more apart from celebrating the World Migratory Bad Day with Power Africa. Thank you. Darren, you, you may actually have answered some of this in your previous uh, previous response. Anything to add? No, I don't think so. I think that uh, it's been adequately covered by Paul and by Alex. Thank you, Jay. Fantastic. Okay. And finally, as we're celebrating uh, World Migratory Bird Day, so we're talking, of course, well, we have been talking today about potentially human development and, uh, and conservation. What excites you all about you know, the next five to 10 years, hopefully with you know, the growth of your collaboration and where could we hope to be uh, over the next decade or so? Starting with you, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think we have discussed quite a number of issues and um, what I like most is that um, if, we, if, we, if we embrace the issues of compliance, because I believe that uh, without well thought, for example, strategic and environmental assessment frameworks that are maybe aligned with the relevant national policies or plans and programs, it may be difficult to achieve sustainable outcomes in linear infrastructure development. That is key uh, to ensure that uh, at least what we are doing at national level uh, with various stakeholders, uh, uh, compliance aspects are, are, are well articulated as we try to move on with this aspect of ensuring that uh, everything is done to, to enhance uh, our sustainable outcomes uh, moving forward. Thank you, Alex, over to you. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Um, in the next 10 years, um, I hope to see a major shift, um, especially in the way business is conducted within the various stakeholders. The, uh, the, the business of utilities, as we speak, is to provide power. But I would like to see a transition where the utilities, for example, say their business is to pro provide power in a sustainable way. So we connect people, but how do we uh, create, you know, bigger, more footprint environment environmentally? So, so this shift is, is very important. Of course, uh, Africa is growing in many ways, and um, we have uh, ex we are experiencing a lot of competition on the available natural resources and uh, energy sector is such an important sector. So I would like to see this shift. When we talk about we have connected so much people to electricity, what amount of environmental benefits did we acquire in the process? Did we avoid collisions? Did we avoid electrocutions? Did we have a um, 
more stable power supply within communities? And basically, how does the sector, can the sector also support, you know, conservation of nature, conservation of more birds? You know, I, I mean, a, a putting some little resources to also address other threats that, for example, birds are facing. And this way, I think we'll be more progressive. Thank you. Finally, Terry, over to you. Thank you, Jack. You know, there's many problems and there's, there's many ways we can potentially solve them. But for me, is definitely to see this industrialized Africa that has been done in terms of saving species. Because at the end of the day, we want to have wildlife and we want to have birds for our present and our future generations. And so we want to develop sustainably. And for me, one of the biggest ways we could do it would be, let's say the, the place that can make the most impact is who holds the purse strings. So if we look at the financiers, I really believe that it should start with the financiers for them to be more stringent in terms of the environmental impact assessments and environmental social impact assessments. They approve for development before they finance a project. Because if we have pressure from the financiers, then it will trickle down to make sure that whoever develops the energy infrastructure is doing it in line with best practice. And best practice is developed by the IFC and very much by BirdLife. In South Africa, we use BirdLife guidelines. So for me, that would be the biggest place to make a big impact at the quickest amount of time, would be to get the financiers to make the biggest impact for us. And then the second thing is to get all utilities on board, making sure that whatever infrastructure they have, they retrofit and fix it so that we stop this damage towards wildlife and uh, wildlife and birds and and uh, you know I know it's not ideal because it's all got to do with how much money a utility has and if they've got enough finance to, to sort all these things out but in an ideal world it would be wonderful to have all the utilities on board and any energy infrastructure being developed such as generation is all done um, in the most sustainable manner thanks well, thank you all for your time. Sorry, everyone listening. Just um, after I pressed uh, press pause there, press stop there on the recording. Alex just wanted to add a few things about uh, old migratory bird data. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you very much, Jack. Um, I mean, uh, this is a special moment, uh, especially tomorrow, which is Saturday the fourteenth. Uh, is a special moment for nature lovers. Um, because we'll be celebrating the World Migratory Bird Day. The World Migratory Bird Day is celebrated e uh, twice every year, and uh, it is usually, it happens that we to basically coincide with um, when birds are making those, uh, you know, epic journeys moving from north to south or from south to north. Um, and, and what I can say, actually is that uh, migratory birds are our natural shared global ambassadors and we should as humans exert all the necessary efforts to make their passage areas resting and feeding areas safe after all they have used these migratory corridors as far as humans 
can remember. So let us cherish them. Uh, they connect us in some of the most extraordinary ways. Um, they are beautiful and magnificent. Migration itself is actually a natural spectacle that nature has given to us for free. This generation should consciously and jealously protect it to bequeath it to our future generations. You can imagine a bird migrating all the way from Dushanbe to Nairobi. How is that? How do you want to lose that? So I want to call you Jack, Power Africa, and everyone else to really celebrate. Go out there and watch birds. Be happy about it. Thank you very much. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Alex.